Uh, I'm going to say no one's better than me. But <laughs> yeah, let's go. Blow up. It is Friday, May 22nd. Welcome to Locked On Dolphins, brought to you by Built Bar. I am your host, Kyle Krabs, lifelong Miami Dolphins fan, lead editor of USA Today's DolphinsWire.com, NFL draft analyst at TheDraftNetwork.com, your host with the most here on Locked On Dolphins. And today, we are going to be talking about expectations for offensive rookies on Wednesday. We did expectations for defensive rookies. Had an opportunity to talk through uh, each member of the draft class, what we should be expecting from them as individuals. We are going to match that energy today, talking about the offensive side of the ball, which will be uh, exciting to talk about, considering we're going to be discussing Tua Tungavailoa in depth and what we should expect to see from him this year. And There are some variables at play in whether or not he gets on the field that to be quite frank, completely out of his control. But what should we be looking for? What you know should we be hoping for for progress for not just him, but the offensive line rookies that have been installed here in Miami? But before we jump into the rookie class, this has kind of unexpectedly become Ryan Fitzpatrick week. Ryan Fitzpatrick had a great appearance on the Eric Wood podcast earlier this week, uh, and he talked about the dynamics of Miami drafting Tua, and he talked about his play style and uh, you know being true to the old-school gunslingers of football and not, not caring about his stats and so on and so forth. But Fitzpatrick met with the South Florida media yesterday and talked about a, a, a litany of things. It was, it was a bunch of topics, uh, and I really appreciated the insight that he provided regarding one specific component, not anything to do with like personnel necessarily, but something more so to do with this Chan Gailey hire at offensive coordinator. And it's a question I've been asked a ton. You know, why was this a decision that was made? Why haven't we heard from Chan Gailey? You know, what do we do in the long term? And we've touched on it, but hearing from Ryan Fitzpatrick on this matter was a really good affirmation of why he was the choice that Brian Flores chose to make in changing the offensive style and identity of this football team. So with that in mind, that's where I want to start today before we get into this rookie class, talking about what Ryan Fitzpatrick had to say about Shane Gailey, the coach. Let's get into it. When asked about offensive coordinator Chan Gailey specifically and how similar what he's learning now is to what he experienced under Chan Gailey back in New York with the Bills and the Jets, here's what Fitzpatrick had to say. I think being in a system for five years and a couple of different teams with a bunch of personnel, Chan was really the first guy to truly believe in me and gave me my shot as a starter. I've just always wanted to prove him right and play well for him. He's the guy that allows players to play to their strengths. He's got an offense that's not very complicated to learn, but very complicated for defenses in the ways it is presented on the field. He does a great job utilizing different guys' talents and putting them in position to succeed, not necessarily telling them there's a certain way to do it, but allowing them some freedom and some creativity within constraints to do the best job that they can. 
I think guys have enjoyed playing for him for that reason. I've got a ton of confidence and trust in him, and he I know he feels the same way about me. Some important takeaways here. First and foremost, a coach that presents something that is easy to learn was one of the big reasons and catalysts for why we saw Chad O'Shea dismissed from his position as the offensive coordinator at the end of the year. Well, he's done that. Chan Gailey, horizontal spread, it's all about conceptually stressing defenses. And then the RPO component really opens it up to a new level to be able to put a defender in a bind and make them wrong depending on how they react after the snap. That's the key. But I loved hearing Fitzpatrick talk about putting players in the best position to be successful and not being so restrictive on the right or wrong way to do things. A lot of great coaches embrace the fact that different talents of different statures and different athleticism levels and different experiences aren't necessarily going to run a route that looks exactly the same. But if you apply the same concepts of pressing towards inside leverage, getting a defender to open up his hips and then work back across his hips and across his face to break into green grass, you're going to find separation that's going to be available to you. So to know that conceptually is how Chan Gailey coaches his players and then to put that into the scope of Brian Flores' overall hierarchy and team culture of coaching it makes sense why Chan Gailey was the hire. Will it actually work or not? That's to be determined. Some of that has to come down to Miami's triggerman, Miami's offensive line gelling, the talent on the field executing to a certain degree. But conceptually, Miami seems to have made a move that moved away from a steadfast, this is how it's supposed to be done, this is the way you have to do it, coach in Chad O'Shea, to somebody who offers an easier learning curve and is more receptive to things looking differently as long as you are executing the principles that need to be applied to win on the field. That's a win for the Dolphins and an upgrade as this young team looks to mature. Where it evolves to from here, that's a different story, but that's also not a story for 2020. For the here and now, this is a team that is applying Spread concepts, heavy gap power run style in the running game. This team has an identity, and they have coaches that are going to allow players to put their own unique flair on executing the principles that stay true to who the Dolphins want to be as a football team. Today's episode of Locked on Dolphins is brought to you by Bilt Bar. I've been pumping the gas on these protein bars for The entirety of the month of May thus far, and I promise you it's not just lip service. These things, whether you want to use them as a post-workout meal, a meal replacement, or a healthy snack throughout the day, I can't think of a better bridge between meals than Built Bar. These things eat and chew like candy bars. They have, whether you like chocolate, desserts, fruits, they've got flavors for everyone. With 110 to 150 calories a piece, as much protein as an average protein bar, and one-seventh the amount of carbs and sugar of your typical protein bar, these things are heaven-sent and are one of the highlights of my cuisine every single day. I promise, not just lip service, but don't just take my word for it. We have an offer for you. 
as Locked On Dolphins listeners. Promo code Locked On at BuiltBar.com will get you $10 off your first box at BuiltBar.com. That's BuiltBar.com, promo code Locked On, save $10 off your first box, and find out for yourself what all the fuss is about with Built Bar. With all that said, let's talk about the Dolphins' offensive rookies for 2020, what our expectations should be. And uh, we're going to start backwards and move our way up because I want to save Tua for last. Malcolm Perry, whether he's a running back, wide receiver, kick returner, I think he's going to be given the opportunity to do all of those things. Seventh round selection. He's going to have to shine, in my opinion, in the return game to make the roster. Uh, Because if you put him at wide receiver, he's a former triple option college quarterback. The learning curve that's going to have to come for him to play wide receiver. You know, he's right now he's wearing number 10. So the assumption is base position will be wide receiver. Uh, That's a big leap to make. Now, he's an electric football player. He's really exciting. They used a draft pick on him, so you would assume the team is going to try to find a pathway for him to make the roster. But with wide receivers, Preston Williams, Devontae Parker, Albert Wilson, Jakeem Grant, Alan Hearns, you get into you know a battle with Isaiah Ford, who's been around and in the Dolphins organization for several years and, and kind of growing and developing his craft. Uh, some of these waiver wire pickups with Gary Jennings. I have a really hard time seeing a seventh-round triple-option college quarterback making the roster as a wide receiver. If you put him at running back, there is a chance he could be the third-string running back behind Jordan Howard and Matt Breida, and he's going to push one of Patrick Laird or Miles Gaskin out. I think the loser of Gaskin versus... Uh, Laird is out anyway, and Laird seemed to have a leg up in 2019, so I would favor him over Gaskin at this point. And especially with Malcolm Perry, I think that might be an avenue in which they could sneak him onto the active roster if they don't want to use him as just a specialist, right? But even still, your third string running back, you'd like to get a little bit of special teams value out of him. I think that's his pathway to making this roster. No questions asked. If you come out and you are a stud, returning kicks, returning punts, whatever, you free up those hits. I'd still like to see Jakeem Grant get some of those touches. But maybe you have one on one punt return duties, you have the other one on kick return duties. I think that's the balance, that's the pathway, Malcolm Perry making the roster. Solomon Kindly. We're going to skip over Blake Ferguson uh, as a long snapper. We did the defensive guys on Wednesday. So Solomon Kindly is our next talking point. Kindly is not a player I was super enamored with his tape with, but he did play hurt in 2019. He fits the profile that the Dolphins have gravitated towards this offseason along the offensive line. Question is, should we be expecting Solomon Kindly to challenge for a starting spot? In my opinion, the answer is no. I don't think with center Ted Karras in position, Eric Flowers being signed as a free agency for ten a free agent for $10 million, those two are pretty much set in stone. The only way you get somebody pushing 
one of those two out of the lineup is if Dieter gets a shot at center. And then at right guard, you're going to have the loser of the Robert Hunt versus Jesse Davis battle, then falling into a battle with Solomon Kindly, who does not have the positional flexibility to challenge outside of the offensive tackle. This Dolphins coaching staff likes Jesse Davis. Dolphins coaching staff used a top 40 pick on Robert Hunt. If the offensive line ended up being Kindly and Davis, with Hunt not in the mix, something went terribly wrong. Kindly, uh, from a technique perspective, really good mauler. He gets his hands on you. He's a black hole. But his blocking radius is not great. He's going to have to work on his foot speed. Ideally, you know, he's so dense, he probably doesn't need as much of the weight that he has. If we can get that playing weight down a little bit, maybe we improve his range a little bit. We improve his ability to stay sticky on blocks for longer. We improve his ability to climb to the second level. If we can work on those things, I think Kindly's more of a developmental guy, but long-term, they must have seen something in football IQ that they liked, and they must have trusted that the tape, the 2018 tape was better than the 2019 tape. He played with an injury in 2019, so they're trusting that uh, that injury was really a hindrance on his ability to play to the best of his ability. But I think there's too many pieces, too many remaining pieces from last year that the Dolphins like, namely being Jesse Davis, Michael Dieter, who they used a third-round pick on. I think there's too much competition for us to sit here and expect Solomon Kindly to be a factor in year one for the Miami Dolphins. Which means your impact on offense, your year one contributors, may come down to these two offensive tackles and maybe Tua, depending on how early Tua plays, if Tua plays, if Tua's cleared, all of those sorts of dynamics. So Robert Hunt, Austin Jackson, let's group these guys together. I think they're very much cut from the same cloth as far as their strengths and weaknesses are concerned. Very good athleticism for their size, good explosiveness in the lower body, they're imposing presences. They're looming long. Okay. So we've got all the physical tools we need, but we know we're going to have some technical deficiencies. We've already talked about how the offensive line can improve and stabilize with these question marks at both of the with the both of these players. But what is our expectation? for both of these players, what should we expect it to look like the final product? When should we expect to see these two players in the starting lineup? I think Robert Hunt is a lock to start the year. Whether he's inside at guard, I think the positional flexibility makes him a slam dunk proposition to project him into the starting line. Because even if he loses out to Jesse Davis, he's got better mobility He's more dynamic than Solomon Kindly. And you're protecting him from his worst enemy, which is some of his pass sets from outside pass rushers. Would that be detrimental versus his long-term view if the Dolphins view him long-term at offensive tackle? Maybe. But if this team wants to get Tua on the field early, then you have to put the best combo of five with each one of those in their optimal position for the here and now. I think Robert Hunt has a better chance to start the year than Austin Jackson because he has two spots he can start. 
Where does Austin Jackson start? When does Austin Jackson start? Austin Jackson will be the left tackle of this football team. As far as when he starts, I really struggle with making a compelling case to not start him early. The only way it would be a problem is if he struggles to pick up the playbook. Because we're at the point now with Julian Davenport, who is honestly the only other viable possibility to start at left tackle for the Dolphins at this point in time. You know, maybe they go out and sign a a dynamic veteran who who's long in the tooth but is looking to to start but have a mentor role and and if he does that for Austin Jackson that'd, that'd be awesome if the price was right but Julian Davenport is a developmental tackle who needed weight room strength coming into the league out of a small school in Bucknell and we have year over year sample sizes of Julian Davenport now And the light bulb is not coming on. And Julian Davenport was one of the worst offensive tackles in the NFL last year in pass rush win win rate relative to ESPN's metrics. Along with the rest of the Dolphins' offensive line, let's be fair, we're not going to throw just Julian Davenport under the bus here. But he's a toolsy guy, but he, after several years of working in NFL strength and conditioning programs and working with multiple NFL coaching staff, he remains... Just a toolsy guy. So if you're going to bring in and start a toolsy guy who has the potential to be a problem for your offense, just start the guy you just drafted in the top 20, right? Unless he doesn't know his left from his right and he can't figure out the playbook, which, according to Ryan Fitzpatrick, is pretty unlikely because this offense is apparently very simple to learn. And that was a point of emphasis for Brian Flores in making the coaching staff changes that he did. If that's the point of emphasis, there's no reason why Austin Jackson should not be the starting left tackle for this team. Regardless of what his performance is, because the Dolphins, simply put, they don't have a better option. Julian Davenport is more tenured and equally raw. You literally can't get worse than... The worst. And that's what the Dolphins' offensive line was last year. So, to some degree, that's the expectation. Is it, it mathematically speaking, has to get better, right? There's no way it gets worse. It's impossible. We should expect two rookie offensive starters week one. Both offensive tackles. How do the Dolphins mask that? We've already talked about running game, play-action passing, staying out of third and longs. They're going to have to win the line of scrimmage. But if, and this this is where it comes back to the quarterback play and the mobility and Tua's health as we transition into talking about Tua here to finish the show. If you're going to go 11 personnel and spread the field the way... The Dolphins are expected to because Chan Gailey's presence here. Your offensive tackles being problematic in pass protection, you're not afforded a lot of help unless you go max protect with a flex tight end in Mike Isecki and a running back 
whichever running back you have in the game is. So Jordan Howard's pass protection skills are going to be paramount because this is not a team that's going to go heavy, condensed, tight formations, play-action passing, two-man route combinations in the intermediate to deeper areas of the field and hold the ball and look to push it. You can't do that. You don't. That's, that's not Shane Gailey's style. So if you're going to look to push the ball deep, you're going to have to have tight end, you know, cracking down. He's going to be a tight split or maybe in an H-back alignment where he's one by one off the outside butt of the offensive tackle, but not on the line of scrimmage with his hand in the dirt, chipping on defensive ends. And the running back is going to have to be big in pass protection because with these two offensive tackles, if we look to go vertical game, you've got to hold the ball longer. And as these guys get acclimated, you're going to lose reps off the edge. That's where the pressure is going to come. That's the area of concern. So that's we, we've talked this week. We've talked about shot clock for two, two and a half seconds. Ball's got to be out. I would expect you'll see almost annoying amounts of quick game early on unless the Dolphins are able to win the line of scrimmage early in their football games and get defenses back on their heels. That's the impact that these two guys being in the starting lineup, which should be our expectation. Our expectation is they're going to have struggles in pass protection, but they should start right away. Hunt either at guard or tackle, and Austin Jackson at left tackle. And the domino effect for that is this offense, they're not going to take some of those deep shot chances with high frequency unless they know they've got you on your heels or Jordan Howard and Mike Gusecki show up big. And if you start using Mike Gusecki in that way, then you have to ask yourself, what is the value of what you're asking him to do? So it puts you in a little bit of a bind uh, to kind of mask for some of the offensive tackle potential issues that we'll have. But this is, again, this is a long-term build. This is not a one-and-done in 2020. So uh, just be, be ready potentially for that frustrating component of watching the Dolphins play offense. But let's talk about Tua because that's what this is all about. And I wanted to save this for the last uh, to, to make sure that we gave the rest of the offense a full picture painted before we talk about expectations for Tua. I don't have a problem if Tua is medically cleared. I don't have a problem with the Dolphins opening this up to an open competition. And if they open it up to an open competition, and Tua is as good as he would need to be to beat out Ryan Fitzpatrick, working with Chan Gailey, who he's worked with for five years at the NFL level already, then he's probably, probably ready to play. Would it scare the hell out of me? Yes, it would. Would I be hesitant to pat him on the butt, send him out there week one, and say, all right, man, go get him. Go get the Patriots week one in Foxborough. Rookie quarterback starting week one. It would scare the hell out of me. I'd be hesitant to do it if it were me. But if the Dolphins want to stay true to, we're going to put the players on the field who give the Dolphins the best chance to win every week, which was the mantra all throughout last season. If they want to stay true to that, and Tua comes in and he's as advertised, he's a more dynamic arm, he's quicker 
than Ryan Fitzpatrick. And if he masters the offense and gets the ball out of his hand and he's medically cleared, that's the pathway. And I know that's the big debate right now with Dolphins fans. And, you know, I've been beating the drum pretty hard, like Ryan Fitzpatrick should start, Ryan Fitzpatrick should start. But that's because that's my expectation is with so many new pieces, Ryan Fitzpatrick being a master of this offense already, and then you add in the dynamics of this offseason with the lockdowns and quarantine, Fitzpatrick is going to know everything Chan Gailey's playbook has to offer, right? Can we say that confidently about Tua? I don't know. So at this point in time, that is my predominant reason why I am the belief that Ryan Fitzpatrick should start the year on top of the offensive line issue. So there's a lot of layers here, but for the expectations for Tua, if the Dolphins make that an open competition and he performs at a level that warrants beating out Fitzpatrick, then sure, he will have earned the right to start. I don't think we should expect him to start week one because we're glossing over a lot of the human element involved in being a rookie quarterback. Learning a new offense, learning to play with new teammates, learning all of your responsibilities, getting acclimated in South Florida. That's a lot. That's a lot to tackle, a lot to take in. Now, if Tua masters all of it, then the Dolphins are probably going to be in really good shape at the quarterback position for a really long time. But even if he doesn't, that's not a sense of pessimism. It means we're going to take our time. We have a long-term view expectation, Tua will probably start at some point throughout the course of this season. The most fascinating subplot for me is if the Dolphins float around 500, we get to December, they're one game above or below 500 and tied for the last playoff spot in the AFC East. You're running out of time. What do you do? That's the fascinating component for me. There's no shame in sitting your rookie year. Look at Patrick Mahomes. He sat his first 15 games before he started week 17, and then he sat in the playoffs, and then he took over in the offseason. Our expectations for Tua as a quarterback need to be grounded. I think that's the most important thing. Not too high, not too low. Don't ride the roller coaster. Understand Fitzpatrick's here for a reason. The mentorship reason is a big reason why. His familiarity with Chan Gailey gives him a built-in natural leg up. We don't even know if the Dolphins are going to open this up as an open competition with Tua because we don't know the fine details of his medical situation. Be, Be ready to experience anything with Tua. It could be one start. It could be... 16 starts. It could be eight starts and he gets hurt. But knowing what the rest of this team looks like this year, I think it's important for us to understand, just like with every decision that they made in personnel, they signed a bunch of young free agents. They drafted some developmental toolsy guys. Here and now, we're going to live in the here and now, we're going to compete in the here and now, and if we catch fire, we catch fire. But this is a long-term project. This is a long-term build, but we don't expect to be seller dwellers. 
I don't think Ryan Fitzpatrick with this roster gives you a cellar dweller, and I don't think Tua gives you a cellar dweller, even if he struggles. And as long as he's medically healthy, okay. You know, I've listened to the debate for two weeks now on should he start, should he not start. If they choose to open it up and he's that good, then yes, he's ready. It would still scare me, and it still probably wouldn't be my preferred action and avenue for the Dolphins. But if he gets on the field, expect a lot of quick game. A lot of quick game. Run game, quick game. Probably very selective at times with when those play-action shots happen. Because you have to be because of the offensive tackles. Well, it's, it's think about Michael Dieter and think about Christian Wilkins, the rookies from 2019. Their play at times was underwhelming, but that might not necessarily be indicative of where they are as individuals because you have to have a fully functioning complementary unit around you. And as good as Tua is, he's not the one pass blocking. And he's not the guy catching the ball in stride that has to make one man miss to take it to the house the way he did the, that his guys did at Alabama. Stay grounded with your expectations for Tua. We're going to be excited no matter what it plays out to be. But if I had money down, I would bet on two starters week one that are rookies on offense for the Dolphins, and they're both your offensive tackles. And that's what I expect at this point in time. We'll see if training camp changes the narrative. Hope you guys enjoyed this episode of Locked on Dolphins. That's going to do it for us today on the show. Great week this week. We had great listenership, great fan engagement. We have some great questions already for next week's Power to the Pod. That comes on Tuesday. So hit subscribe, keep it locked in right here on Locked on Dolphins. I hope you guys enjoy your weekends, and I'll talk with you all again on Monday.